0: Bokratov. good morning everyone, welcome to the Aliyah day, glad to be with you, hope everybody has, is having rather, a good day, and had a good fast yesterday, and um, a meaningful fast, we always say a good fast, we know Hashem should help us in our fasting, because that's never um, easy, Uh, although yesterday was the easier of the fast, because it's just a a daylight as it were, daytime fast, so <clears throat> but hopefully everyone had a meaning, meaningful fast as we enter into the three weeks. I have entered into the three weeks now. This is the now the second day of the three-week period, a time in which we um, mourn for the temple and ask Hashem to send us the temple speedily and soon, which means, by the way, that the Mashiach is going to come, because Mashiach is going to be the uh, the one who brings down, creates, as it were, the third... And final temple. The reason the third temple, by the way, cannot be a, a, one made by human hands. It has to be a divine temple. Is because it lasts forever and ever. And anything that man creates does not last forever and ever. Uh, because we are by nature, um, you know, finite beings, Baruch Hashem. So, welcome. This is the sixth and seventh reading of Shah Pinkas. And I want to welcome everybody who's watching from across the fru- Fruited Plain. I also want to say a mazel tov. We had a, uh, was it um, uh, Vincent and Kelly up in Nova Scotia had a baby boy. What, was it yesterday? Uh, it, was, it was actually Wednesday evening, but I announced it yesterday. And then today we find out that uh, the Klain's, uh daughter-in-law is... Uh, is uh, giving birth to a baby. I forget, though, uh, if it's a boy or a girl. I'm certain they told me, but we have so many babies being born at around here that I, I lose track of who's got the baby, I mean, who's got the boy and who's got the girl. We're such a prolific congregation. I think that's that means we're happy, right? <laughs> we're happy. Praise God. Well, mazal tov to uh, the Clanes. It's their first uh, grandchild, and so uh, that's amazing. So, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. We're getting ready to enter into the uh, the Holy Shabbat, the Sabbath. I pray that it's a good Sabbath for everybody, and that uh, that'll be wonderful. Fred is watching from the south of Holland, the south of Holland. Well, wow, welcome, Fred. Glad you're watching. Um, we have our friends watching from uh, Germany and from... Um, South Africa. You know, it's fascinating. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that of, of the world. They're having a, a major cold front in South Africa. It's freezing temperatures. I think I read that yesterday. Somebody commented, and here in Texas, we're having a heat wave. It's like, a, and it's a triple digits right now. Hundred degrees outside. It's terrible. Praise God. Hopefully, it won't last very long. But it's just fascinating. It appears as if I need to go to South Africa and and when it's summertime here. Maybe I could just spend time there and I could do the Aliyah day from South Africa. And uh, that'd be kind of fun, actually. All right. So, anyway, um, we're on page 893. 893. Our friends from Canada. Who can forget Canada? Welcome, eh? I'm glad you're here. Yeah, glad you heard about it. All right, so uh, 893, we're going to be in chapter 28, and uh, verse 16, here is the reading. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, shall be a Pesach offering to Adonai. And on the fifteenth day of this month is a festival for a seven-day period. Matzah shall be eaten. On the first day is a holy convocation. You should not do any laborious work. You shall offer an elevation offering, an elevation offering to Adonai, two young bulls, one ram, seven male lambs with their first year. Unblemished shall they be for you. And their meal offering, fine flour mixed uh, fine flour mixed with oil. You shall make three-tenth ephah for each bull, and a-tenth ephah for each ram. One-tenth ephah shall you make for each lamb for the seven lambs, and one he goat for a sin offering to atone for you, aside from the elevation offering of the morning. That is for the continual elevation offering that you shall make these. Like these shall you make each day of the seventh day period food a fire offering satisfying the And I, in addition to the continual elevation offering, shall it be made and its libation. The seventh day shall be a holy congregation for you. Yes, you, do not, you shall not do any laborious work. On the day of the first fruits, this is uh, Shavuot, when you offer a new meal offering to Adonai on your festival of weeks, it shall be a holy convocation to you. You shall not do any laborious work. You shall offer an elevation offering for a satisfying aroma to Adonai, two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs within their first year. And the meal offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths ephah for each bull, two-tenths ephah for one ram, one-tenth ephah for each lamb for the seven lambs, one male of the goats to atone for you, aside from the continual elevation offering and its meal offering shall shall offer them. Unblemished shall they be for you and their libations. Now we turn to uh, chapter 29. Bainting the wavy for our uh, Sephardic Jews out there. Thank you, Hashem, for coffee. In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, there shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall do no laborious work. It shall be a day of shofar sounding for you. You shall make an elevation offering for Sassan, Rommedadonai, one young bull, one ram, seven male lambs, in their first year um, unblemished. and the meal offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenth ephah for for the bull, two-tenth ephah for the ram, and one-tenth ephah for each lamb of the seven lambs. One male of the, of, of the goats for a sin offering to provide you atonement, aside from the elevation offering and the new moon and its meal offering, the continual elevation offering and its meal offering, and their libation according to their law for a satisfying aroma a fire offering to Adonai. Yom Kippur, on the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be a holy congregation for you. You shall afflict yourselves. You shall not do any work. You shall offer an elevation offering to Adonai for satisfying aroma. One young bull, one ram, seven male lambs in their first year, unblemished they shall be for you, and their meal offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenth ephah for for the bull, two-tenth ephah for the ram, and one-tenth ephah for each lamb of the seven lambs. One male of the goats for a sin offering, aside from the sin offering of the atonement and the continual elevation offering, with its meal offering and their libations. Now we come to the festival of Sukkot. By the way, this is now going to be the seventh Aliyah. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall do no laborious work. You shall celebrate a festival to Adonai for a seven-day period. You shall offer an elevation offering, a fire offering, a satisfying moment to Adonai, thirteen young bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs in the first year. They shall be unblemished. And their meal offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenth ephah for each bull of the thirteenth bull, thirteen bulls, two-tenth ephah for each ram of the two rams, and one-tenth ephah for each lamb of the fourteen lambs, one male of the goats for a sin offering aside from the candila elevation offering with its meal offering and its libation. And the second day, twelve young bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, within their first year unblemished, and the meal offering the libation for the bulls, the rams, and the lambs, the prop- their proper number is required. One male of the goats for a sin offering, aside from the candila elevation offering, with its meal offering and its libation. And on the third day, eleven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs of their first year, unblemished. And their meal offering and the libation of the bulls, the rams, and the lambs in their proper number as required. One he goat for sin offering aside from the continual elevation offering, its meal offering and its libation. And on the fourth day, 10 bulls, 2 rams, 14 male lambs within their first year unblemished. And their meal offering and the libation of the bulls, their rams and the lambs in their proper number as required. One male of the goats for sin offering aside from the continual elevation offering, its meal offering and its libation. And on the fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs within their first year, unblemished, and their meal offering and the libation for the bulls, the rams, and the lambs in their proper number as required. One he goat for a sin offering, aside from the continual elevation offering, its meal offering and its libation. And on the sixth day, eight bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs within their first year, unblemished, and their meal offering and the libation for the bulls, the rams, and the lambs in their proper number as required. One he goat for sin offering aside from the continual, uh, continual elevation offering, its meal offering and its libation. And on the seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs within their first year, unblemished, and their meal offering and their libation for the bulls, the rams and the lambs, and their proper number in their requirements. One he goat for sin offering aside from the continual elevation offering, its meal offering and its libation. The eighth day shall be a restriction for you. This is Shemini at Zeret now. You shall not do any laborious work. You shall offer an elevation offering, a fire offering, a satisfying aroma to Adonai, one bull, one ram, seven lambs within their first year emblemish, their meal offering, and libation for the bull, the ram, the lamb, shall be the proper number as required. One he goat for a sin offering aside from the continuing elevation offering, its meal offering, and its libation. These are what you shall make for Adonai your appointed festivals aside from your vows, your free will offerings for your elevation offerings, your meal offerings, your libations, and your peace offerings. Chapter 30, verse 1, this final verse concludes our parashah. Moshe said to the children of Israel, according to everything that Adonai had commanded Moshe. That's the end of the parashah, Pinchas, Mazal Tov, for being able to complete that. I want to uh, go to some insights now, uh, share a couple of things. First and foremost, I'm going to go back to uh, something in the Gutnik Humash. This is a... Sparks of Hasidus that is related to our parasha. This goes back to the third reading, but uh, it's part of the Left Behind series. I just wanted to share this with you because I think it will resonate with many of you. It says, while Jewish law obligates each person to observe all the mitzvot, there is always at least one particular mitzvah, to which one soul is drawn more strongly. This comes from the Talmud in Shabbat 118b. And I know that as I read this, many of you are going to uh, give me a witness that there's probably some mitzvah out there, or maybe one or two, that um, really, really, really speak to you particularly. And sometimes it changes. It might start out, there might be one mitzvah early on in your walk that really resonates and draws to you. And then later, it's not uncommon for there to become another mitzvah that resonates with you. Um, Early on when I started the path of uh, Torah, for whatever reason, the mitzvah that resonated with me most uh, poignantly was the ceremonial washing of hands. Particularly in the morning. For me, that just was an act that kind of set the tone for my whole day. And uh, there for you, it's maybe something totally different. But that was for me. But it goes on to say, according to Hasidic thought, this concept is hinted to by the fact that the land was apportioned by means of a, of a lottery. So this is going back to the idea that the land that the, the land was given by lottery. And remember that the land is intrinsically connected to the Torah. The promise to Israel, to the congregation of Jacob, is Torah and the land. That is the heritage. That is literally the Marashah. That is the Marashah. Uh, before we, as an aside, a little, a little bit of history... Uh, a little bit of history about me. Uh, we originally had a congregation called Heritage, and then I changed that name to Moreshah. We started calling it by That's what the, the word heritage means. Now, there's a couple different words in Hebrew for heritage, but the word morsha is only used twice in the Torah, and it's talking about the, the, the Torah itself and the land of, of Israel. And what makes that word "morasha" unique as the word heritage is because the other word for heritage, which I, I, I don't recall, uh, forgive me, I don't recall the, the, the Hebrew, but it means to to receive something, like an, an inheritance. It becomes yours. You receive an inheritance from your parents or whatever, your, or your rich uncle. By the way, I, I didn't have any rich uncles contact me to adopt me, but I am available. So i let you know. I'm, I'm in the open market. Any rich uncles out there, I'm available. Uh, But the word Moreshah means that you, you inherit something that is yours to possess, but your responsibility to pass on. So it's an active inheritance. It's something that you're giving charge of, but you're responsible to pass on. So that's the difference. But anyway, it goes on to say, suggesting that one's primary mission in life one's spiritual inheritance has been pre-allotted to him on high and that, and that one has no choice in the matter. So in other words, inasmuch as we have been apportioned by lottery a part of the land, the land is part and parcel, pun intended, with the Torah, which means that you and I, ladies and gentlemen, have been allotted a piece of the Torah before we were even born. So when you have that mitzvah that is special to you, that one that that really speaks to you, and it doesn't necessarily speak to somebody else. So you might be looking at your neighbor and, and 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 by the way, don't do this. Let this be let this let this be a point of teshuva. If you're that person that says, man, I really am into the, I don't know, let's pick one. Um uh, I'm really into the beer And you look over at your neighbor and you see that they're a little bit laxadaisical with it. Don't be judgmental. Well, it really speaks to me. It's really powerful. How come it's not powerful to you? You know why? Because that's that was your piece of land that you were, you were given. That's not their parcel of land they were given. They they are on a different they're on a different uh, lot over there. Now that's not to say they shouldn't be saying the Birkatamazon. That's not to say anything. Don't misunderstand. That, you know, the mitzvahs don't apply to all of us. It's simply saying that if something really resonates with you, don't be offended if it doesn't really resonate with somebody else because that's not your, their choice is not your choice. As an aside, it's like when we tell people and they come into the show and they go, well, I, we can't believe that y'all don't have this or y'all don't have that. That stuff really is meaningful to me. That's probably why God sent you, so that you could come in get converted, get get in lockstep with everybody else, and you could be that missing piece. <laughs> that, that's why he sent you. He didn't send you to criticize, to go around and say, well, how come you don't have this? God said, I equipped you. That You know, that's why I sent you. So it says, the reason why a person's soul has a particular affinity to this special mitzvah is because each soul is a spark. ...of the general soul which Adam possessed. Remember how I said yesterday that all souls are uh, rooted in the Mashiach. The Mashiach is the second Adam. So it says, these could correspond to its original location within Adam's soul. It will It will have a distinct spiritual path of its own. Consequently, through observing his special mitzvah, the person will become spiritually fulfilled which will give him additional enthusiasm in the observance of all the other mitzvot. So guess what? We should all be observing the mitzvot. That's, a, that's, that's obvious. But this is all being a part of what we call in Hebrew the Guf HaMashiach, which means the body of Messiah. That when you are fulfilling the special mitzvah that means something to you, that means more to you, let's say, than somebody else, then, uh, then guess what? They're doing something else that means something particularly important to them that's not necessarily as meaningful to you. But that's how the Gufa Mashiach works. That's how uh, we're all rooted in the same soul. You're a little fragment and I'm a little fragment and our little fragments get together and and we fragmentize. How can a person, instead of fraternize, it's fragmentize? How can a person discover what his special mitzvah is? How can you discover what is your special mitzvah? This should be fairly obvious. You know, people say, I don't know what my mission in life is, as they're doing their mission. A lot of times it's hidden in plain sight. So it says, there is no simple solution, aside from the fact that just see what you're drawn to. However, being that a person's mission in life is centered around his special mitzvah, okay, it follows that his evil inclination will oppose this mitzvah strongly, which may give a person a clue as to what it is. Furthermore, divine providence will inevitably lead a person to circumstances which are conducive to the observance of this special mitzvah. So, if you find that there's a mit- there's something out there that you really enjoy doing, but um, but you find that you know you're you're interrupted frequently from doing it that's a potential clue that that's a mitzvah that's important to you and that uh, Hashem, or excuse me, the evil inclination um, is simply uh, wanting you to uh, not do it. So we've been reading here about all these various offerings. I want to come to some uh, an insight here about the, the continual offerings and the occasional offerings. This is a, a nice insight also from the Gutnik Kumash about the Power of the offerings themselves, and why there were continual offerings, ones that were offered up all the time, and why were there offerings that were, um, that were brought by individuals that varied. I mean, if you really think about it, why so many different types of offerings? There's quite a number of offerings, and and as we've said, you know, a, a Christian thinks that all the offerings were sin offerings. When you if you talk to Christians, uh, they know so little about about Offerings, which if really think about, how sad that is. So Yeshua had, has come to become our big time offering, like that was his whole mission, and yet the people that follow him know very little, if anything, about sacrifices. So anyway, um, but to the Christian, they think that all offerings are are a sin offering. And that nothing could be further from the truth. Most offerings, in fact, are not, have nothing to do with sin offerings, which begs the question, then, then why do you need offerings? Because the idea was, uh, obviously incorrectly, that the only reason you brought an offering was to, for atonement, for salvation. There was no other reason. If you, didn't, if you didn't need salvation, you wouldn't bring an offering. And it turns out that's not true at all. It turns out that people who were perfectly fine, who were not necessarily sinners— we're bringing offerings all the time for various reasons. Why? Well, here it is. Through the sacrifices, the Shekinah, that is the Divine Presence, entered the Holy Temple from which it spread throughout the entire world. So Hashem enters the world through one place. Do you realize that when you pray, your prayer goes to Jerusalem specifically to Mount Moriah and ascends to heaven from there. Right, contrary to proper belief. Your prayer does not come to Texas and go up. It goes to Jerusalem to Mount Moriah and ascends from there. In the same way, when we break when we make an offering, Hashem's Ruach HaKodesh comes down to Mount Moriah and spreads out from there. Now, how do we know this to be true aside from the fact that the sages tell us? And, of course, they know this because Moshe knew this and Moshe knew it because God told him. But how else do we know? Well, Jacob's ladder. Where was Jacob laying his little head? He was laying his little head on Mount Moriah. So God showed him that that there was a ladder upon which angels ascend and descend bringing blessings and bringing you know bringing blessings down and bringing blessings up. And that ladder was on Mount Moriah. So we see this is the reality. So when we when we offer up a sacrifice, we bring down the ruach hakodesh. So It follows then that each different type of sacrifice was responsible for a different aspect of godly revelation. And this was reflected by the nature of the sacrifice and the mode in which it was offered. So each type of sacrifice brought a different type of divine revelation into existence. I said yesterday that when we pray, it's not just about us, but we're actually bringing down the Ruach HaKodesh. Well, this is teaching us now, prayer is likened to sacrifice. And there's different types of prayers. There's Shakarit, there's Minka, there's Musaf, there's Mariv, there's Bedtime Shema. There's uh, uh, the Traveler's Prayer. Uh, there's different types of prayers, the uh, prayers for the sick and so on. Which means there's all those different types of offerings, which means that when we pray those prayers, every time we pray those prayers, that we bring down a different aspect that is particular to that of divine revelation into Shmaya and into the world. Now, with that said, it motivates us, or it should motivate us, to want to pray more. Because the more we pray, the more and and, and the more and, and, and differently that we pray, hit hit which is our personal prayer. Which means when we're just when we're just walking around, when we stop for a few minutes and we pray, and we it's and it's not scripted. That's a whole that's a whole different type of sacrifice as well. That also brings in a particular divine illumination into the world. So God should help us all to want to pray more often and more diversely. Why? Because we need all those types of divine illuminations into the world. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I think you would all agree with me. Looking around at the utter mess that our world is in right now, we need all the divine revelation that we can get. People are being duped. The uh, the level of propaganda and evil is, is the highest I've ever seen it. We need all the divine revelation we can get. So it says this, the sacrifices which are discussed here in the current passage could be broadly divided into two categories. There's a continual offering, the two offerings which are offered on a daily basis, each morning and, a, and the afternoon, and the occasional offerings which are brought on special occasions, such as Shabbat, Rosh Hodesh, uh, the the festivals, and so on. Says the fact that the occasional offerings were bound by a specific time suggests, likewise, the spiritual revelation which they brought are possessed, or possessed rather, a certain limitation. The continual offering, however, were offered every single day, suggesting that they brought a totally unlimited form of spiritual revelation that could not be contained by any particular time or moment. So you have. Your continual offerings, with the offerings that are offered up on a daily basis, this really—excuse me—the the, the continual offerings, the ones that were offered on a daily basis, that do not ha- that that are all encompassing. This is Shakarit and Minka. Okay, but here's why you should invest. You, hopefully, everybody has a sitter, a, a prayer book. But here's why you should invest in a a set of maksarim. This is the special sitter for the festivals, and there are five of them. You want to get the ones that are uh, from Art Scroll, and uh, you want to get the Ashkenazi version. Nothing while it's Sephardic, it's just that our new sock here, officially anyway, is Ashkenazi. So if you want to be on the same page with us, literally you want to get the Ashkenazi version. But you want to get a maksarim set. You want to invest in it. Why? Because when the festival seasons come and you're davening from a magzor, you are now saying brachas and, and, and praying prayers that are specific to that period of time, which means you're offering up sacrifices that are specific to that time and intrinsic to that spiritual moment. and if you just have a traditional sitter some of the, the 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 complete sitter has some of those but uh it's very limited it's very very limited and so i just want to um make you aware of that all right i have i have uh, a lot more to share but i just have a couple minutes here so let me just share this one it says um this whole ending of the parasha is really a messianic ending. We're talking about, we went from plague to a priest who um, um, saves the day, to now we're looking at festival seasons that we kind of end talking about Sukkot. Or as they say in Ashkenazi circles, Sukkot. So it says, it is because of this link with the Messianic, that the public reading of the Sidra of Phineas normally takes place during the three weeks of national mourning between the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av. So God ordained that we should be reading Parashah pinkas during this time. Why? Because it awakens in us the hope for better times. To be sure our sages teach us in Megillah 13b, that Hashem never sends a misfortune into the world before having created the remedy for it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. This is why. Because he saw the calamity coming, Adam, and he created the remedy, Mashiach, before it even happened. This is why Mashiach was slain before there was even a creation. Imagine that for a moment. God's intrinsic grace, so powerful, that before he even created creation, he created the Mashiach Remedy. This is why mankind is so laughably flawed. Because here, you know, there's lots of talk about a a vaccine for this COVID. Don't get me started on it. I'm not g- but anyway... They're scrambling to try to find a remedy for something that is already happening. God is so far above us that he creates a remedy far before there's a problem. So it says, That remedy already exists in the qualification of Phineas as a forerunner of the Messiah, as was explained in the commentary to 25.11. That same Mashiach idea is called to mind by the law regarding secession, and then by the problem of the secession to Moses. The laws concerning the offerings of the festival of Sukkot, thus the entire Sidra and those that follow revolve around the Messiah and bring an optimistic message to the days of mourning in which they are read. End of our Aliyah today. We are out of time, but never out of content. It has been my joy to be with you this entire week. Look forward to next week as we uh, have Matot Masay, which is actually my daughter's Torah portion, and the final Torah portion of the Sefer Bamin Bar. And can you believe it? After next week, we already get into Devarim. It's cray, 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 cray. But you don't be cray, cray. You be Shalom, Shalom. So look forward to seeing everybody in uh, service tomorrow. If you've been avoiding the synagogue because of COVID, please stop. Stop it. Just come. It's going to be great. Now, unless you've had a doctor tell you don't come, unless you have some type of uh, serious situation that prevents you from getting out, that's understandable. But if otherwise you're healthy and you're just scared, stop being scared. Shabbat Shalom. See everybody tomorrow. Bes